awesome presence in your spirit, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We want to take our request to the Lord at this time. And let's remember uh, these. Let's remember Lin Linda Duty, Nita Henderson, Randy Davis, Zach Peters, Sarah Hampton, Mike Nickham, Jerry Harp, Kim Brinson, and uh, Ginger Roston and family. Let's remember all of these, and, and there are several more that uh, still the flu is, is kind of raging, and, and there's still several people that, that have the flu right now. So, so uh, let's call all of their names, and, and uh, let's just take these before the Lord. Perhaps is there any other needs in the house tonight? Amen. If you have a, yes, let's remember Basti. If you have a special need, if you just kind of lift it up, the Lord knows every need. If you've got something you want God to do and take care of, Lord Jesus, in your name, God, we present these needs to you tonight, Lord God, and we ask you, Lord, to do a mighty miracle, Lord, in this house, Lord. Let the presence and power of God move abundantly and often, Lord Jesus. Let the glory of the Lord overshadow us, Lord Jesus. I pray, speak to us, Lord. Minister to us, Lord, in this house tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that you would touch all of those with the flu, Lord Jesus. Let healing come, Lord. And I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, all of these that we, have, that we have called out by name, Lord God, that you would touch every one of them, Lord. I pray, God, that you would touch every need, Lord God, that was represented by an uplifted hand. In the name of Jesus, go forth with power and wonder of your spirit, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God. God, we worship you, O oh Lord Jesus. We praise you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Speak to us, Lord. Minister to our hearts tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, let your word go forth, Lord Jesus, I pray, O oh Lord. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise the Lord, praise God. If you would remain, stand for the reading of the word. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12 and verse number eight. And he removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 13 and verse number 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel and to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai and to the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram, Abram called on the name of the Lord. You can be seated. Now, <clears throat> I have uh, titled this Bethel. I've talked about this at least once, preached about this. But, but uh, we're going to talk about Bethel. But what I would like to talk to you about tonight is about life lessons life lessons. It's about Bethel, but it's a lesson that, that Bethel should teach us and a, a lesson that we, 
that we should learn from Bethel. So, <clears throat> so let's, let's go into it for just a, a, a few minutes and, and kind of familiarize ourselves with Bethel and, and learn what it was and, and why it was so important because I read you two scriptures and the first one is when, when Abraham, uh, Abram first came and, and he came and built an altar there at Bethel and, and after he had, uh, had, the Lord had blessed him tremendously, he began, he began to come back and make his way back there to visit Bethel again. Let's, let's look at and, and find out why. You see, it was at Bethel, Abraham's second altar, that the scripture says he called on the name of the Lord. It is believed that the altar of Bethel was an altar of communion with God. I want you to notice that. The altar of Bethel, according to scholars and according to theologians, and is, was, was not just so much a, a sacrifice, a place of offering of, of, uh, for, for sin and, and, uh, <clears throat> and all of that, but it is believed that, that Bethel was, was an altar there uh, of communion, just closeness, of just talking with God, of visiting with God. Most altars were reference points of sacrifices uh, meant to appease a holy God. But the altars of Bethel seem a little bit different a place where the focal point is not a sacrifice and not necessarily a, a uh, time of, of appeasement to God, but just the focal point is a place of contact with God, a place that God could talk to, to uh, Abram, a place that Abram said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. In a time of, of great trouble, in a time of great uh, discouragement, in a time of that, that I just I first came to Bethel and I discovered that that at Bethel there was a there was a place that I could commune with God and and now a lot of things have happened and I'm I'm doing well and, and things seem to be going uh, my way but I want to go back to Bethel and make uh, and commune with God the places of sacrifice are very, very necessary. The offering of the blood for appeasement of sin was a must. But then there is Bethel. Now, you remember I talked to you, that I, I want to talk to you a little bit, uh, a little bit later on in this about life lessons. Lessons that we learn through life. Lessons that, that would teach us something. Lessons that would bring things, uh, clarify things to us about our relationship with God. But, but Bethel, is, Bethel is a little different. Remember, let me, let me go over it again. <clears throat> it's not necessarily for redemption. Uh, it's not just a place for appeasement that, that you would appease a holy God, but it's simply for communion, that commune with God, pushing aside agen all agendas and offerings. Hey, God, I just want to talk to you. And so let's let's look at this just uh, just briefly for for a moment that that our 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 Bethel becomes a place of constant appeasement. Our Bethel becomes a place of constant uh, petitions and <clears throat> laundry lists, so to speak, for God. But that's not that's not what Bethel is for. In the life lesson, we learned that we need a spot that we can just come 
and push aside all agendas and begin to make ourselves open to God and begin to commune with Him, begin to talk to Him. You see, often we get on a tear and we get on a deal and everything we do is purposeful and everything we do is, is, is entwined and, and this is what we've got to do. I've got to pray and, and I've got to seek the Lord and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But, but that's what our worship is. It is just a communion with God. Hey, I don't have to worship the Lord. We come on Wednesday night, and it's already been mentioned, it's cold out there. And if there would be any excuse to miss on Wednesday night, this would be a good one to miss. But why do we come in here? Simply because we want to commune with God. Simply because we want to lift up our voice to God. Simply because we desire to touch God. And we desire to commune with God. <clears throat> How often is it that we get so tired of, of uh, the, the list that we put together because it is so necessary because our, our wake, waking, every waking moment and, and uh, even our half of our sleeping moments is dreams of, of things and, and stuff that we go through. But so, so let's, let's look a little bit at, at Abraham. He leaves Bethel because of famine. And we leave our personal Bethany or Bethel a lot of times when, when tragedy strikes. We leave simply because things get tough. And, and it's not quite as easy. Sometimes we feel like the Lord has left us. Sometimes we, we feel like the Lord has, uh, that we've become dry and, and a place of famine and, and, and the Bethel does not flow easy like it used to. And, and the worship and the communion of God is not as easy as it used to be. We seem burned out <clears throat> for a multitude of reasons. We leave the place of hope, a place of comfort, and we look for other places. We allow things or circumstances to affect our close contact with God at Bethel because at Bethel it was just easy. At Bethel it was just flowing. At Bethel we just began to talk to God and we just began to pour out our hearts to God. And we just began to commune with God and, and, and we, we let the Lord Jesus Christ wrap His arms around us. And then we're in close contact with God. But before we realize it, circumstances and things begin to happen. And suddenly we realize it's a dry spot. As Abraham returned from Egypt, rich in material goods, something within him sought again the house of the Lord. He said, I've got to go by Bethel again. Now, now what we're doing is we're, we're looking at some principles that will teach us some life lessons. And there for the second time, Abraham made his way to the altar and called on the name of the Lord. Nothing else will bring us satisfaction. You notice that what we do generally affects those that follow us. What we struggle with, our kids will generally struggle with. What our downfall is, our kids will generally have that same downfall. 
So it's very important for us to, to overcome. It's very important for us to seek the Lord. And so, <clears throat> so there's, there's several years have gone by, and Abraham's grandson, Jacob, has desperately wanted contact with God. He struggled for the birthright. He struggled for the blessing. He, he did everything he could to, to get the blessing and, and to get the birthright, but he's still not real happy because he, he, he thought that that would be the utopia. He thought that that would make everything okay and everything right, but it didn't. And so now he seeks the blessing. He buys the birthright and then seeks the blessing. And then suddenly we find him running from his brother. <clears throat> and so Jacob leaves home. And, and in Genesis 28 and verse number 11, and, and we're going to read several scriptures here, but the same thing kind of plays out again in another generation. Notice this. And he lighted upon a certain place, verse number 11 of Genesis 28, and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took stone, took of the stones of that place, and he put them to, for his pillows and lay down in a place to sleep. And he dreamed a dream, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and on the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it into thy seed. Verse 14, And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in all thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at first. Now here he is. <clears throat> He's running from his brother. He doesn't know what his future holds. He doesn't <clears throat> know anything. But at that time, he seeks a Bethel. Now, you don't see here that, that he is feeling sorry for his sins. You don't see here that he's feeling sorry for the deception in his life. It's not really talking about that. God just overshadows him. And he feels in Bethel that special place that the Lord begins to bless him. The Lord begins to speak to him. The Lord begins to make contact with him. Now, we're not going to go through all the years of, of, uh, of Laban and all the years that, that uh, his struggles in and, and, uh, and Laban's house, but finally he, he leaves and he heads back home. He 
once again, he doesn't know how it will be. He doesn't know how Esau will, will uh, you know, will take him. He doesn't, he, he has no clue. In fact, he's afraid kind of for his life. Well, not just kind of, but he's afraid for his life. And, and, but the Lord has assured him and told him. And, and so he goes back again in Genesis 31 and 13. It says, after several years, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowedest a vow unto me. Now rise, get thee out from this land, and return into the land of thy kindred. We must return to the place of our commitment. We must return to the place of our Bethel, the place where the presence of God is. Now, <clears throat> you know, recently we went on the Israel trip. You know what's interesting? As prominent as Bethel is in the scriptures, we never visited Bethel. Did we go to Bethel? Never visited Bethel. Well, it's only 10 miles from Jerusalem. Surely you could go visit Bethel. I didn't think to ask, but nobody ever mentioned it. And I never thought a moment about going to Bethel. But something happened at Bethel a few years later. You see, it was in, in the reign of uh, <clears throat> just after Solomon's reign that, that his son Rehoboam became king. And you remember the story about they began to ask Rehoboam to relax things a little bit because in the time of Solomon, it, it got so uh, connected and, and the taxes and everything was so high and the responsibilities were, were so much for every, that to, to keep the kingdom going, to keep the, the, uh, the machine, as you might call it, of, of that country going, it took everybody working and everybody giving and, and, uh, and they just got tired of it. So they said, uh, relax a little bit. And the scripture says that, that he uh, began to talk to his, his peers and he talked to the old man and, and he asked them their advice and they said, do what they say, relax. You'll have them forever. And then he talked to his peers because he was kind of a young guy and, and his peers told him, said, no, man, you bow your back. You know, don't do that. Don't, you know, and, and so you know the story. He did. And uh, the kingdom was divided. It was divided because that was the will of God because of sin of David. So the kingdom is divided and <clears throat> Jeroboam is, is there, a mighty man of valor and, and uh, man, he's, you know, he's, he's enthused with the presence of God and the power of God and, and, uh, and he's chosen of God to, to lead the northern country of Israel. And so uh, <clears throat> one of the first things that he does is he begins to think. Human reasoning will always get us into trouble. He begins to reason. You know what? Uh, I could do a little something here. You know, if I, I, if, if I placed a calf in Dan, which is at the top of the border, and then placed another one down here in Bethel, which is only 10 miles from Jerusalem, and, and he told the people, he said, listen, you guys, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. No need to go to Jerusalem anymore. You just, you just come here to Bethel or go to Dan, whichever's most convenient. 
So what he did is he, he changed Bethel from what it was, a place of communion, a place of anointing, a place of closeness of God, a place of, uh, where God would speak to you individually. He changed that to be a place of appeasement. But yet it became a place of idolatry because he set up the calf there. He said, these are the gods that delivered you from Egypt. Do you not remember what the first thing when Moses was gone for 40 days and 40 nights? Remember what they did? Make us gods. We don't know where this Moses was. What, what did they make him? A calf. And so <clears throat> for years and years, here this calf is set up. The place that should be communion. I'm talking about a life lesson. The place that should be communion is now evolved into idolatry. You know, you know, pastor, here's the deal. I, you know, you know, it's, it's no big deal. It's, you know, you, you just got to understand, you know, some things. We're living in the 21st century. You know, things are different. I want to say 20th century. Because I think sometimes we're still living there. But things have changed. It's, it's different. You know, there's a, there's a different set of, of rules. There's a different set of... And so we began to make excuses and we began to, to limit our time in Bethel. And our time in Bethel comes, becomes convoluted. It becomes uh, intermingled with, with uh, uh, falsities and, and falsehoods and, and things that, that, that we would never dream of because, because it's, it's just convenient and and, and you know, we've gone through dry spots and we've gone through difficult places in life and we've faced uh, trouble. And, and, and so we, and you know, just as a little mechanism, we've just decided that, that now we're going to, you know, we're going to do it this way. You know, I know that I'll, I'll never forget when I was, a, when I was really young, <clears throat> I had a, had a, uh, had a niece that uh, their family was not close to the Lord and uh, had kind of, you know, going wayward. And she came to the house, and every night my dad would lead us in prayer. First he'd get out the Bible, we would read scriptures, and then he would lead in prayer. And I'll, I'll never forget my, my first time. I, I've told this church, my, my first relationship with God was at five years old in one of those prayer meetings. I was crying and seeking the Lord. Didn't know anything about God. But that was, I, I'll, I'll never forget it. It stuck with me even to this day. But <clears throat> we would have those every night. You know, when you went to church, you, you, we didn't have them, but every other night, if you didn't go to church, you had a devotion at night. And, and when the, some of the grandkids of my mom and dad, my nieces and nephews would come, it didn't matter who was there. It didn't matter if somebody came in off the street. We had devotion. Didn't matter if grandma and grandpa come. Didn't matter if they believed God or not. We had a devotion. That's just what you did. And so the grandkids came, the, my nieces and nephews, and 
My niece said an astounding thing. She looked and she said, you've got your Bible. We have TV. You know, isn't that something? You have your Bible. We have TV. But it's, it's what happens when you leave the place of worship. It's what happens. Life lessons. I'm talking about life lessons. It, it's what happens. Even though, even though Bethel is only 10 miles from Jerusalem, even though it is so close, man, you could just walk just a little while. And it, it wasn't like, you know, I think it was 15 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. But, but the 15 miles to Jericho is where, on, on the road to Jericho, you remember where the Samaritan, you know, got the guy got beat up and everything? Well, that, was, that was, happened all the time on the road to Jericho because uh, it, was, it was rough terrain. In fact, I, I don't remember the elevation, but, but Jericho is north of Jerusalem. But actually, it's down from Jerusalem. So when they talked about going down to Jerusalem, they went off of a high plateau down below sea level to Jericho. And so, so it's interesting that, uh, that, that it, on that road that it was a place that was so dangerous because it was, it was a tremendous uphill. Uh, and I, and I, I read somewhere that, that, uh, that somebody went over there and, uh, and walked that and uh, walked it in eight hours. And so it's, it's about 15 miles or so, but it, it can obviously be, can be walked in a day. But the Romans would set up uh, sentry posts up and down that road uh, because it was so dangerous. And that's what Jesus referred to in that. No doubt he probably saw the man and uh, saw situations like that. It was a very dangerous place to be. But here it is that, that uh, it's uphill and it's downhill and it's, it's, it's difficult to get through, but not with Bethel. Bethel's just a short distance away, 10 miles, but it's, it's, not, it's not all of the terrain and, and everything. And so years and years of history in Israel, years and years of, of prominent places, Everywhere we went and everywhere we looked and, well, this is Gideon's springs. This is where Gideon dipped his hand in the water. And <clears throat> this is uh, Caesarea Philippi. This is where Jesus said, with, with all that big rock in the background and that, that uh, big temple built into the, into the rock wall and, and uh, 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 statues of, of gods and stuff into that, carved into that wall and a god to the to uh, a temple to the god Pan that that uh, uh, Herod had built, and and there Jesus looked at that, and he said, looked at that rock. It's just massive rock that reaches way up there, and he says, upon this rock I will build my church. He wasn't talking about that rock, but he was. He said it there where the rock was. He said it where that that special. Uh, uh, temple was built to the god Pan. He said it there, and uh, but you know the connotation that he said it in. Who 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 am I? Well, you're you know 
Some say you're Elijah. Some say that you're, you're John the Baptist. Come back. Some say one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hey, listen, guys. Upon this rock, I will build my church. We're going we're gonna to call you, uh, Peter, we're going to call you now, Peter. We're going to call you a stone. Cephas, you're, you're going to be a stone. And, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna preach and you're going you're gonna, to uh, have the keys to the kingdom. But it's upon this rock, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, that I will build my church. And <clears throat> so there, there's spots all over that that Jesus went, the town of Jesus, Capernaum, and, and the place that, that Jesus loved, and, and, and Bethany, and, and, and uh, the house of Mary and Martha, and, and different ones throughout there that, that, that were particular uh, places of interest, but nothing breathed about Bethel. What could bring such an important place, such an important uh, time, what could bring that to nothing? Well, I think it's a life lesson because of this. Because that could affect us the same way. That we begin to lose our love for prayer. We begin to lose our love for the worship of God. It just becomes a ritual. It just becomes a, a form of idle worship, if you please, that can't ever happen to us, church. We've got to love the Lord. We've got to desire as you have because you chose to come into this house tonight and worship the Lord. You chose to, to, to overcome uh, obstacles tonight and weather that's, that's not conducive and, and, and just cold and rainy and a chance of freezing rain later, but you chose to come to the house of God. We must never lose sight of that. We must never allow that feeling to leave us that I've come to worship the Lord. I've come to praise the Lord. I've not come to go through a litany of requests and stuff and things. But Lord, I just want to talk to you. I just want you to touch me, Lord. I want to feel your presence. I want to bask in your glory and in your presence, God. I'm desiring, Lord Jesus, of your touch. I want to feel your presence and your power in my life. Hallelujah. Life lessons that we can get so burned out by the things of, of life and the obstacles of life that we forget the reason, the reason why we worship. We don't worship Him because He healed the sick. We don't worship Him because He raised the dead. We don't worship Him because He gave us loaves and fishes. We worship Him because He first loved us. We worship Him because He gave up His life so that we might have life and that more abundantly. That's why we love Him. That's why we worship Him. That's why we give our best to Him. When we come with agendas, when we come with reasons, you know, I'm going to feel guilty if I don't go. And that's, you know, that's maybe good motivation but uh, <clears throat> to get us here. But once we get here, we've got to respond 
to the Lord. God, I'm pulling out all the stops. I want to reach to you, Lord. I want to touch you, Lord. I want to hear your words, oh Lord God. I want to, I want to feel your presence, oh Lord Jesus. You know what's interesting? What's interesting is Jeremiah or Jeroboam set up the, the gods. And he was he was at Bethel. He was feeling pretty good about it. He was even offering incense. Man, this is good. I'm going to keep the people, you know, I've got something now that they're interested in. And uh, an old man of God, doesn't even tell his name, came by. And he prophesied against the altar at Bethel. And he said, oh, altar, you know, you're going to be rent and and uh, they're going to burn the bones of, of the priests and different ones on the altar. In fact, he named him by name, said it'll be one of the <clears throat> grandsons of David. And he called him, said it will be Josiah by name. And Jeroboam reached out his hand wanting to grab the old prophet. And as he reached out, his hand drew up, dried up, shriveled. And he cried and prayed for the old prophet. And the prophet prayed for him, and the Lord restored his hand. And probably you remember the story about the old prophet. There's another prophet in the land, and God had told him to go back after he prophesied, not eat bread, not do anything. So the king invited him, said, come on by the house. You know, I'll, you know, I'll make it worth your while. And, you know, let's, he said, nope. God said, I got to go, I'm not to stay. Well, his sons, the old, the, another prophet's sons heard about this, told it to their dad, and he was a prophet. He goes to him and says, come by the house. He said, no, the Lord told me. He said, I'm a prophet too. And God told me to tell you to come by the house. So he did. And you know the story. He, as, he, as he left, a lion met him and killed him. And It's amazing to me that how that prophet would do that. But he, he said these words. He said, talking about this old prophet that was dead now, that, the, that had been attacked by a lion. He said, when I die, bury me next to the man of God. Because he said, what he said will come to pass. Well, you read in about Josiah, and it did come to pass. And they, uh, they, uh, Josiah burned the, the, the bones of the priest and those upon that altar to desecrate it and, and co completely try to wipe out idolatry. But what I'm trying to say is the life lesson that we can learn is a place of communion, a place of, of closeness to God, a place that, that Abraham sought, a place that, that uh, Jacob, grandson, sought twice also, a place that God spoke to them and they felt the presence of the Lord now was forever desecrated, forever marked as a place of idol. We've got the choice, you and I. We can, either, we can either make it a place to be left alone, a place to be 
to, you know, to stay clear of, or we can make it a place that the presence of the Lord would move. Why don't we stand as we close this night? Praise the Lord. I, I, feel, the, I feel the presence of the Lord. It's a, it's a different presence of the Lord. It's not, it's not a, a presence that is engulfing. It's not a presence that's bold and proclaiming, but it's a presence of God that is a sweet presence of the Lord. The still, small voice of the Lord that would speak to us. You see, I, I believe that God is speaking us to us tonight in one of the life lessons. Remember Bethel. Remember El Bethel, the, the God of the house of God. Remember Bethel, the house of God, the place that God moves. Let my, let my house of God be a place of communion and not a place of finagling and not a place of bargaining. Let my my place of communion be the highest point of my life. Let my place of communion never be desecrated, never be ruined, and never be rent because of stuff and things that I allow. Hallelujah. Wonder tonight as, as, as we close this, as we begin to lift up our voice and we begin to call out to the Lord. Hallelujah. As we begin to cry unto the Lord and reach to the Lord, I'd like to ask you, would you again this night begin to lift up your voice in worship and in praise? God, I've not come for agendas right now, Lord God. God, I've come, Lord, that I might feel you. I've come, Lord Jesus, that your presence might rest upon me that the glory and the power of the Lord might be spoken to me. I've come, Lord Jesus, oh Lord, to allow the Spirit of the Lord Jesus to move unhindered and unfettered in my life, God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, Bethel is the place of commitment. Bethel is the place of communion. Bethel is the place that, that, that Abraham and Jacob just cried out to the Lord and committed unto the Lord their allegiance. And they loved the Lord and they allowed the Lord to speak unto them. Would you allow the Lord Jesus Christ to speak to you right now? Lord God, speak to us, God. God, let your Spirit speak, Lord Jesus, into our hearts and to our lives, God. Let the presence of the Lord Jesus Oh, Lord, be around about us. Let the glory of the Lord Jesus be upon us, Lord, right now, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, we've just come to worship you. We've just come to allow your presence, Lord Jesus, upon us. We've just come to love you, oh, Lord God, and to worship you, oh Lord, to lift up our voice to you, oh Lord. God, it's been a dry, dusty place, Lord. We've gone through some difficult times, Lord God. We face the enemy, Lord, of our souls, Lord. We fought, Lord Jesus. We're discouraged. We're, we're at times, Lord Jesus, without anything. But oh Lord, we've just come to the house of God. We've just come to the place of communion that you would speak to us, Lord God, that you would minister to us. Hallelujah. Even though you don't realize it, 
even though you may not be aware of it. The finger of the Lord is touching your soul and your heart right now. The finger of the Lord, the hand of the Lord is upon your spirit right now and beginning to uplift, beginning to strengthen because you're in communion with God. Hallelujah! Come on, could you just lift up your voice to the Lord? Oh, Lord, is your power, your spirit. Hallelujah. Would you mind just stepping over and, and beginning to pray with someone uh, close to you? Would you just find someone to join together and pray with? That the power and the spirit of God would move. Oh, Lord Jesus. God, give us communion. There's hope, Lord, in your name. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. God speaking strength right now. Oh, 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 oh,